Michael, Michael, Michael. Hello, Hava. Have you thought out your house? Uh. Thought out the ice cube you live in now? Uh, are you asking me how I am? Yes. This just seems to be the most pertinent question about how you are, is whether your house is still frozen in a block of ice. Well, probably, but we don't know. Should I just start from the beginning? Start from the beginning. Tell us the whole tale. Okay. It got to minus 17 Fahrenheit. Ugh. Yeah, where I am. What is that in Celsius for all of our international listeners? Minus 1 billion. Uh, minus 27 Celsius. Got it. So everything froze, but we didn't know that at the time. We thought it was just some pipes. So we started mm-hmm. doing the pipe unfreezing thing. Yeah. And then I realized, uh-oh, it was the well water storage tank. You know, the thing that pressurizes well water. Okay. You you, you know. Yeah, basically. So that was frozen. Like Got there it. was ice in there. So water, mm-hmm. because the pressure on it was really high. Oh, dear. Yeah. So we defrosted that, and then we got water, and everything was great, but then the drains were frozen. Okay. Which is different than the pipes being frozen? Pipes is the stuff that brings the water in to you okay, to use. Okay, got it. And the drains is the stuff that takes the water out. It takes the water out. So none of the drains were draining. So your house filled up with water. Well, we didn't allow that to happen. Got it. But we figured it out. We deduced that it must be the drains that are frozen, which is kind of rare, but it happens on really, really, really fucking cold days. Septic field or septic tank could be frozen. What a shot. Shit like that. Yeah, it was bad. So we ran away to my parents' house. I went to my parents and I was like, our house is broken. Please let Mm -hmm. us stay here. You ran away to little Belarus. And my mom was like, Yes, but let me pick at the little things on your wool sweater. You haven't been taking care of it effectively. So she removed, like... for As a toll to enter my home, you must pay with every tiny little pill of wool on your sweater. That's exactly what happened. I was just standing in my childhood kitchen with my mother picking pills off the sweater she made me, saying I'm not doing a good job taking care of the sweater. Great. And was the price worth it? The price of admission? I don't know. I mean, yeah, we got to use the bathroom, you know, we took a <laughs> That's shower. always good. Skeeter had a good time. He got to see my parents, which he's a, now a, quite adjusted to. Mm-hmm. That's the reason why we're recording late. Right. Isn't it weird when you bring your dog somewhere that's not their home and then they bark at other dogs? It's like, you have no claim here. You have no authority to bark at anyone in this place. We should be barking at you. Oh, but I have to tell you a story, Hava, about how non-barky Skeeter recently was. You're going to love this. I had to pick up Grunge Girl in Boston Mm -hmm. because she was like doing work stuff. I get to Boston. I get to like the Newberry Street area, like Mm -hmm. fucking fancy she-she no parking Boston. Right. Grunge Girl's like, it's going to be an hour and a half. Sorry. The shit got delayed. She got stuck on a train. It was bad. So I'm stuck without a parking space, and I have Skeeter in the car with me because I didn't want to leave Skeeter in a freezing cold house, potentially. You know, it was right. very cold last couple of days. We managed to find a parking spot on Newberry Street. I did a quick Google, and I found businesses that allow dogs in them. Wow. And one was Shake Shack. Oh, wow. So I went okay. in with Skeeter into Shake Shack. I got God, myself Shake a Shack. double cheeseburger. Shake Shack right now. That was so good. I got a double cheeseburger and a milk bone for Skeeter. 
and oh. I, we went to a high top, and I put him on a high top <laughs> chair, and I sat next yeah. to him, and he was very oh good. He, That's how it's really cute. He was a little scared, like those people, and it was a bustling restaurant, but he, he handled right. himself pretty well. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. That is all incredibly cute. Very cute. How are you, Hal? How are you? Baruch Hashem, I'm well. It was also cold here, not quite as cold. It only got merely negative seven. I feel like any time, for, at least for us feeble humans, feeble northerners, I think it gets a lot colder in the Midwest, as I understand it. But for us feeble northerners, anytime there's a minus in front of the temperature, it's sort of like all the same to me. If it's minus anything, it's the same. <laughs> Um, at least from a subjective point of view. So it was fucking cold. It was really hard to take the dog out in the cold. We also had a pipe thing that I had to have maintenance come fix this morning, which was very annoying. Uh, Yeah, you know, I'm just fucking, I'm staying warm, gearing up for Tubishvat, you know, gearing up to tie some of the fruits from the luscious fruit orchard that I certainly have. I don't know. I don't have anything interesting to say about how I am. I'm fine. I'm doing good. I've been having a bunch of migraines recently, and it's fucking sucked. Are you hydrating appropriately? Maybe. I don't know. This always happens in the winter. Everything is so dry all the time from the heat in the house, and I just like can't keep up. I feel like I just need to slather lotion on my skin and be hydrating at all times. Yeah, <sighs> I feel very trapped myself. You know, February is the one, you know... February is the cruelest month. It is the cruelest say. month. Uh, not going to do anything for Valentine's Day because I'll be working. I'll be ferrying a class. But, you know, I'm good. I feel like I'm essentially at at peace and having a fine time. You know, I mean, there are like obviously problems, both great and small in the world and in my life. But I'm basically chilling and just taking care of my dog and my cat and my boyfriend as best I can. That sounds lovely. Yeah. So you said you were going to surprise me today. Yep. Dazzle me. I'm going to surprise you with something that surprised me this Ooh, week. Okay. I didn't know there was anything left that could do that at this point. Well, it surprised ED, past tense. Now it can't surprise me. Oh. But it did surprise me. Right. And I'm bringing you some sugyas about water pipes. Surprise! Oh my gosh. Wow. I am shocked. I am shocked. shocked? I didn't even know there was such a thing. As a water pipe? Uh, In Talmud times. Is it like aqueducts? Well. I guess aqueducts must have been around. It's a stretch. I'm bringing you watery related, pipe related things. Okay. Okay, Well, start start telling me about it. Start start laying some pipe. Let's see. What's the first thing I'm going to tell you about? Shabbat 38B. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me just give you a little taste of some Talmudic plumbing, okay? <laughs> okay. The Mishnah relates a story about the people of the city of Tiberias, and they ran a cold water pipe through a canal of hot water from the Tiberias hot springs. They thought that by doing so, they could heat the cold potable water on Shabbat. The rabbi said to them, if the water passed through on Shabbat, The legal status is like that of hot water that was heated on Shabbat, and the water is prohibited both for bathing and for drinking. And if the water passed through on a festival, then it's prohibited for bathing, but permitted for drinking. So there you go. A little little rabbinic ruling about ingenious little 
plumbing situation in Tiberius. But not so ingenious because the rabbis nixed it, it sounds like. Well, they nixed it for Shabbat. Right, but wasn't the point of running the... Oh, okay. So they didn't do this just for Shabbat. They did it so that they could have warm water. Well... And then they also needed to know if they could use it on Shabbat. They didn't explicitly say that they were going to use this not on Shabbat. The the phrasing, at least the English translation that I have, does not make that clear. But I presume that these people are reasonable and would want to use this pipe, you know, during Shabbat times. So they're like running cold water through hot water via pipe to heat up the cold water yeah i mean maybe now i'm thinking about it you just said that back to me and it's like maybe that was like a really difficult annoying process for them and they would re- much rather just boil the water to yeah, heat it up i don't on know how Shabbat this days i just don't know how physically this would have worked well i, I mean, mean i believe it i believe it's possible i just am like having a hard time imagining it but it's very cool i'm wondering why they can't just drink the hot spring from tiberius directly well, this probably has all kinds of yeah, crazy minerals and stuff in it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But anyway, the idea, perhaps the idea of a plumbed, of a, of, of some plumbing. Some kind of plumbing was hanging around. Some kind of plumbing was hanging around. That's interesting. I would have thought you would have been able to use it on Shabbat. If the pipe is just always there, getting water heated up by the hot spring, I would have thought you would have been able to drink it on Shabbat because it's like you did the work before Shabbat. And the water sort of just passively getting heated up. Maybe this is about like maybe since it's not like in a like a freestanding thing that you that was made a couple months ago. Maybe it's like a janky setup you do beforehand, and then the intention. Oh right. Mm-hmm. If your intention is to use the hotness during the Shabbat, then like it might be because you know intent and non-intent is always right a right. factor. Like I was just reading the section of Talmud where you're not supposed to come down from a tree if you climbed it on Shabbat, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. unless it was not your intent to do that, or, you know, just to break Shabbat. Right. Then you are allowed to come down, but if you were a baddie baddie and climbed the tree, then you have to stay up there for all of Shabbat. <laughs> but if you're a baddie who climbed the tree, then you're probably willing to come down anyway. Yeah, it's, it's a little... It's Something little, to think about. Yeah, it is. Well, okay. Well, surprise me with more plumbing. More plumbing related things. I'm going to take you to Avodah Zarah 12b. Why then do we need to learn in the case of placing one's mouth on the face of a figure? So this question is being raised because there is a ruling that says if there's a statue, because we're in Avodah mm-hmm. Zarah, so we're talking about idol worship and, you know, Gentiles. And, right. So if there's a statue, you're not allowed to put your mouth on the face of the statue. You're not allowed to make out with a statue is what I'm hearing. Yes, exactly. And so what is going on here with this teaching? It is only because he wanted to teach, quote, so also one should not place one's mouth on a water pipe and drink from it for fear of danger, unquote. Oh. So what's going on here is there's a prohibition to like drink directly from a fountain. Like from the mouth of a fountain, you know? Got it. Like putting your mouth on the water fountain when you were a kid. We all knew those kids who put the whole water fountain in their mouth. Uh, Yeah, it's unclear if you're allowed to drink. You just can't make contact with the thingy. But anyway, so there's this ruling about, you know, don't put your mouth on the water fountain. And then the reason given is for fear of danger. And various medieval commentary 
clarifies this, and I think the Shulhan Aruch also clarifies this, that this fear is that you might eat a leech. Oh, shit. Yeah. Don't eat Ugh. leeches. That caused a very visceral, visceral reaction within me. I know. I'm Ugh. sorry. That's that's just it's how okay. it goes. It's, yeah. I mean, I'm glad the rabbis are out here protecting us from such things. So, yeah, I don't know why this is an Avodah You know, I could go back in the daf and see how this came up, but... I presume the same ruling applies to, you know, Jewish statues, you know, statues for whatever that were right. sanctioned. I mean, we're officially. not known for our statuary. No, we're not. We're not sculptors. <laughs> no, not as not a sculptuous people. And I was talking to Sam about that like years ago. I was like, I wish Jews had like a like a history of furniture making. You know, wouldn't that be cool? Uh huh. But we just, <laughs> yeah. as far as I know, there's not like a Jewish aesthetic style of furniture, unless like you count like no, I modern mean, I think, Bauhaus stuff, which I'm not that I think into. we don't have a lot of history of sculpture because at various times in various kinds of Jewish culture, there's been more or less concern about prohibitions on graven images. And two, I think we don't have furniture because we've never had like a rustic Luddite Judaism moment you know we don't have the jewish version of being amish uh you know or of being a shaker i don't think we have like a settled situation you know it's like the first time you have like jewish furniture maybe is the environment that that would allow the conception of jewish furniture and jewish architecture is like in israel it would be all it would be all modern uh, stuff further you know? proof that the state of israel is a colonial project because it has doesn't develop a distinct culture it just mirrors the culture of the colonial and european powers no 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 i'd go one step further that if you are part of a society that has That's created <laughs> furniture and architecture then you are a colonial empire You've heard it. You heard it here first. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that that's true. I don't think that that's true at all. We are anti-furniture, anti-architecture <laughs> on this pond. If God had wanted us to sit on chairs, He would have made us with chairs for butts. Says Michael. I'm just saying. Name a society that has a distinct chair aesthetic that hasn't. <laughs> taken over Michael this is just not true (laughs) okay I don't know I don't know anything about you don't know Michael's views do not reflect the views of this podcast officially look all I'm saying is I love like Jewish silver shit I'm I'm into like all the fucking right that's one thing we have developed a distinct aesthetic of is weird little knickknacks we use for rituals that's true that's true which are maybe a kind of statuary if you think about it that's true that's true and I'm fine with that. I just want like a 17th century Jewish bureau. You know what I mean? It right. Just exist. I mean, I think we're like going so far off the map on this one. But I think one of the wonderful things about being a diasporic culture is that a lot of distinct Jewish aesthetics come out in fusions of our cultures with whatever culture the artist is part of a diaspora in. So I was just thinking about um, this really beautiful Tali Katan that someone posted in the Shomala Discord the other day that was like a Lithuanian embroidered Tali Katan that looked like it had like Lithuanian style embroidery, but like on a Tali Katan and like the fusion of those two things is sort of the unique Jewish style of that area. Anyway... I think this is a great place to wrap this little Talmud short up. Uh, okay, fine. 
one more thing for you. <laughs> okay, bring me the one more thing. Little Hasidic stuff from the Great. Flames of Faith. Great. Very Christian coded. I don't know if that's Christian coded. I think Christians are all Jewish coded. But anyway, it's a motivational introduction to Hasidic thought directed at a contemporary American audience. So here is a quote. It is taught, maybe this is attributed to Baal Shem Tov. Let's just say it is. Why not? I mean, you can say the Baal Shem Tov did or said anything. That's the power of the Baal Shem Tov. I love it. I love it. Okay. It is taught that Sadiq is like a path or a channel through which liquid flows. Through his righteous deeds, he pulls down divine flows of blessing from heaven just like a pipe does not benefit from the water that flows through it, so, too, the tzaddik has no desire for his own benefit. He only desires that others, the members of the world, receive plenty. This is the meaning of the voice from heaven, kol ha'olam nizon bishvil hanana beni. The entire world is sustained through the channel of Hanina, my son. Oh my gosh, this classic. Yes, yes. Classic Talmud. Which I think we talked about on a prior episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So why does he resemble a channel? He does not seek his own benefit. He is satisfied with a small measure of carobs as his weekly total. But as we fucking discussed in that story, that's no way to live. Okay? Being a pipe, not. Maybe the tzaddik can do it. I can't. I, yeah. for one, need to be blessed. I, for one, am too stressed to not be blessed. I agree. I can't be a pipe. You can't be a pipe. And my pipes in my house can't be pipes. <laughs> right. We've got a total moratorium on pipes on Kai Howard. <laughs> I don't know what the situation is. Oh. Maybe you, listener, aspire to be a pipe. In which case, God bless. In which case, come to my house and replace my sewer drain. Be the pipe you wish to seek in the world or in Michael's house. <laughs> Be the pipe you wish to seek in the world. I don't know. Oh, that's not good. Anyway, thanks for listening to this brief Hi, How Are You episode. We are, as you know, in the background working on our major release of the Temple OS series. Sometime this month, we're going to make a patron episode. So gear up for that. If you're not a patron, join us at patreon.com slash you to help us keep making the stuff we make and to help me continue, you know, living and eating delicious Shake Shack. And we'll talk to you all soon. Shavuot Tov. Shavuot Tov.